0: This is March. St. John's has 20 wins. And it seems like the NCAA tournament is very much in reach. But there are still three more games to play. And the NCAA tournament is no lock. This is the Rumble in the Garden podcast, and I'm your host, Norman Rose, from Rumble in the Garden. You can find us on Rumble SBN on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, Rumble in the Garden, and you can find us on our website, rumbleinthegarden.com. Coming off a big win, St. John's, now with a win over Seton Hall and in third place in the Big East, hopes to finish the season strong and get one of the last slots in the NCAA tournament. But St. John's has to face the team that's been rising in the rankings with four straight, the Xavier Musketeers, and they have to face them twice. St. John's might look like the better team by a lot of the numbers, but Xavier is a team that comes with a lot of size. And to talk about them, we're going to speak with Brian Dobney of Banners in the Parkway. We'll also have a listener question directly related to the team's ability to get a better seed in the ncaa tournament sit back and relax the rumble in the garden podcast is back right after this and yep once again we are the rumble in the garden podcast welcome back i'm your host norman rose um We have Brian from Banners on the Parkway here with us. Say hi, Brian. How's it going? Yeah, it's good to to have you on. And and it's interesting to, to have you on at this point because of the schedule, which has made for some Big East teams to meet. Uh, they're meeting an opponent for the first time really late in the season. In this case, uh, St. John's is facing Xavier twice in the span of three games um, at the end of uh, February, the beginning of March. Really strange scheduling, I'd say.
1: I, I, yeah, when the schedule first came out, actually, I wrote an article about it and pointed out that we we saw you guys really, really late. Um, and, and I didn't make any um Yeah, I didn't really make any uh, points about it then, but it it almost is to our advantage, I think, because we've um, been able to obviously work out a few kinks.
0: Yeah, and I I would agree that I think that, you know, if St. John's honestly faced Xavier, you know, second or third game of the conference season, I'm sorry, I would have been like, yeah, that should be an easy win. The team was a bit of a, a mess early on, so... Give us a sense of the roller coaster of emotions that the season has been for Xavier, starting from the beginning. I mean, you could even include the recruiting things that did not happen before the season.
1: Right, right. So um, I guess right after last season ended, of course, Chris Mack um, departed for Louisville. Um, we already knew we were going to lose our. Uh, Four of our top scorers uh, in Trish Savon Blewett, J.P. McHira, Karam Cantor, and Sean O'Mara. Uh, And they all left through graduation. Um, And with them went Kaiser Gates, who actually would have been a senior this year, but um, made the jump a year early. Uh, And he was second on the team in three-point shooting last year. So that was five really significant parts of the number one seed team last year. Um, That left as far as on-the-court talent as well as the winningest coach in program history. So um, this season, uh, we really didn't know what to expect. Um, But as the season kind of got going, uh, we went to the Maui Invitational, um, had chances against Auburn and San Diego State, and um, fell out of both of those games late. And that kind of set the tone for for the rest of non-conference, where um, we got some wins. Uh, The best win we got was illinois at maui in the non-conference um but in a lot of the games where we were playing against uh good opponents um there there was a tendency to fall out of the game late it happened in the crosstown shootout against cincinnati it happened at missouri um which is actually a game i was in attendance for because my in-laws live in uh columbia oh
0: that's uh, lovely man i love columbia missouri (laughs) yeah um
1: I didn't get a great impression of it, but it was heavily tainted by uh, by what happened on the court that night. Um, but, yeah, so going into the, the Big East Conference, uh, we knew that Xavier was going to have to do something special to get themselves onto the bubble. Um, and, of course, uh, there was the six-game losing streak in the middle there. But, um, yeah, so it's been an up-and-down season, but uh, I've got to say as far as – Where we are now, um, there's a good feeling. Obviously, a four-game winning streak does that. Beating Villanova um, for only the second time since we joined the conference does that. Um, But more than anything, I think it's been that it's become obvious that um, Coach Steele has um, been working through, you know, some of the things that come with being the head man for the first time in his career, um, and and has really figured a few things out. And it looks like the team is really forging an identity at this point. So, um, yeah, there have been ups and downs. Right now we're on an up, though.
0: So when you're talking about forging an identity and the the, the difficulties that have come with it, uh, tell us about some of these strange streaks. I know right now Xavier is on a four-game winning streak, right? Yeah, that's correct. And what were the losing streaks like?
1: Um, well, the the big losing streak was six games um, in in Big East play and it culminated well, with, um, uh, a late game collapse against DePaul at home. Um, and it was the first time we've lost to DePaul at home since joining the conference. Uh, and so that was probably rock bottom, um, as far as this season goes. Um, and hopefully we'll be rock bottom as far as, um, coach Steele's tenure here goes. Uh, but, but what really went into that is, um, a lot of inconsistent outside shooting and um, just an inability to um, keep hold of the ball late in games. Late-game turnovers have been a huge problem. And um, defensive end, there there were a lot of lapses, um, especially that game. And so in the, um, in the time between that game... And uh, the next game, there was a a renewed emphasis on being able to defend. And the next game was Creighton, who's one of the better offensive teams in the league. Um, And Xavier came out and put together a really strong defensive performance and um, has done in all four games since then. So I think as much as anything, it's been really the defensive end that has uh, kind of turned things around.
0: So you think that's what's clicked for Xavier? That was the thing that was missing?
1: yeah um yeah i i think because when when you are in a game late and you are turning the ball over uh frequently um it's really easy for teams to go on a run if you can't get stops obviously um no one's probably going to listen to that and be like we should hire him uh because that's really obvious <laughs> but uh the fact of the matter is he really was not doing a good job of getting stops late in games and um the the defensive intensity has been higher. I think um, the rotation has been a little different later in games, um, which is something maybe we'll talk about a little later when it comes to personnel. But um, yeah, I I think the the defensive intensity coming up and being able to just grab a few stops in a row, has really to to not have the momentum go quite so strongly against Xavier Layton games.
0: So offensively, do you feel like they're kind of the same team that they were? It's just really just the defense that needed to change and has changed.
1: Yeah, I mean, offensively, there's been an uptick lately um, with Najee Marshall really coming on strong, in, uh, especially in this winning streak. Um, he's been shooting the ball from outside much, much better. Um, recently than he had been earlier in the year and uh, that gives Xavier a much different uh, dynamic on offense because he's somebody who's really exceptionally good off the drive he's 6'7 he has a really long wingspan he's very quick he's a good ball handler Uh, but when teams were not required to respect his um, outside shooting ability it it really kind of hampered him and uh, he's a player that Xavier has depended on a lot this season. So, him being able to knock down some shots um, and being able to kind of take games over a little bit has been uh, huge. He had 28 the other night against Seton Hall um, in a big win on the road there. And then uh, in the game against Villanova, knocked down some big three pointers as well. So, um, on offense, things have been coming around, but I think the biggest difference has been on defense. So, With the struggles
0: that the team had, do you think that you or some of the fan base kind of soured on some of the veterans? I'm thinking of Najee Marshall, Paul Scruggs, uh, Quentin Gooden. Um,
1: I mean, there have been times where, uh, people have, have obviously been, um, a little critical of the team. Um, I don't know that all criticism is, is a bad thing. I think, you know, sometimes if a player is not playing well, you, you, I mean, they're not playing well, you know, you can't um, avoid that conclusion. Um, there have been a couple times where, where things have gone a little overboard um, specifically directed towards Zach Hankins, who um, has been one of the more consistent performers, but um, I guess he's kind of a lightning rod in some of the things he's, Um, been subjected to on social media have been pretty unsavory Um, but really wait wait
0: wait wait, hold on let's put a pin in that one what have they been saying about Hankins
1: after after one game um, he posted a screenshot of something that had been said about him on Instagram I believe Um, that was just beyond the pale of of decency it didn't really have to do with basketball more to do with um what he gets up to off the court um and, and so that, oh, now uh, I got now I got to look this up oh yeah. boy you can look it up I don't have a direct quote i don't want to misquote um whatever genius decided to uh slander a 22 year old because he missed a layup but um yeah so but i think um i don't know that that people have soured um on the players so much as there's just been um, a frustration that this team had the potential. It had the ability to be really good and um, just seemed to get in their own way a lot with some of the decisions that were being made. Um, Especially obviously when, you know, against DePaul, um, Xavier turned the ball over five times in a row at one point in the second half, five straight trips that were turnovers. And so that can be frustrating. Um, But I don't know that anyone's, Uh, Well, I shouldn't say, I don't know that anyone, I have not um, at any point said, chuck it all in the fire. Let's just see what the freshmen can do or anything like that. But um, yeah, there's been some frustration, I think, with with just how things have gone.
0: It is fascinating to me, though, watching a little bit of Xavier earlier in the year where they were kind of, you know, they looked
1: uh, like they hadn't had
0: their morning coffee, let's just say, you know. They looked a little stiff. And watching them against Villanova, they looked like they were really getting after it. And in particular, uh, Zach Hankins looks like the kind of player who there's not it's not that he can necessarily do a lot of things. You're not going to give him the ball in the low post and have him, you know, make crazy Carl Malone moves. But he does the things that he can. He's pretty quick, and he's very tall. He was, what, the Division II Player of the Year or or something like that? Was that what it was?
1: Yeah, he was the Division II Player of the Year last year. He won the national championship at Ferris State.
0: Yeah. I mean, he just seems like a pretty good player and the kind of player who could really feast on, say, a defense like St. John's.
1: That's exactly, I think, what, what fans are looking at when they look at this matchup, is St. John's typically... Doesn't start anybody taller than six foot seven. Um, and Xavier's been running Hankins and Jones uh, both as starters recently. And um, yeah, Hankins and Jones are both shooting above 60% from the field on the year. Um, and they've kind of formed this two headed monster um, underneath. And they can play alongside each other or they can play uh, by themselves, which just gives Xavier a lot of versatility down low. Um, but yeah, Hankins has been. Um, really one of the one of the most consistent performers this year and somebody that when you look back at, at grad transfers at Xavier, of course um, two years ago there's Malcolm Bernard and last year there's Karam Cantor and Hankins uh, kind of slots right into that that um, that lineage um, which goes a lot further back than that but those are just real recent guys that are probably fresher in
0: people's memories okay. So who's the most important player on the Xavier roster right now? Who's the player that St. John's needs to do something about? Najee Marshall?
1: Yeah, I I was going to say, when when a guy wins Big East Player of the Week, um, it's kind of hard to point at anyone other than him. uh, But he has been tremendous uh, the last two weeks. Um, And, I mean, there there were times earlier in the season it wasn't going well for him. Um, You could tell he was frustrated at times um, but he, he's a tremendously tough player um, you know he, he draws contact a lot because of the, the nature of the player he is and um, is always throwing himself on the ground after loose balls but uh, yeah it's been really great to see um, his his whole offensive game come together these last four games um, and him be uh, somebody who can just take the game over which which he has done on on several occasions.
0: And in terms of handling ball pressure, have uh, Paul Scruggs and Quentin Gooden gotten better at, uh, at dealing with pressure?
1: Um, That was the, the big deal against uh, Providence and um, Seton Hall, is that Xavier didn't break the press that well late in the game when they had the lead. Uh, against Villanova, Villanova was missing so many shots late in the game that It really wasn't a huge issue because um, Villanova couldn't set their press up because they were just missing everything. Um, But, yeah, it's been something that has kind of um, been a drawback on the winning streak. Uh, But they did do better yesterday against Villanova um, in in breaking the press. Um, They didn't face it that many times, though um, in reality, just because Villanova just couldn't get anything to fall.
0: And they got on top of them, uh, what was it early in the second half?
1: Yeah, there was a 17-0 run in the second half that, that really, uh, created the separation for, for Xavier. And that was largely fueled, um, by their defense. Villanova, I think it was, um, a little over nine minutes without scoring. So uh, when you can do that to an offense like Villanova, um, part of it's they can't make shots, but I mean, um, Xavier wasn't giving up cheap second chances. They weren't giving up <laughs> run out. Um, so there was uh, a lot of great effort on defense as well.
0: Yeah. I did notice that uh, they certainly made Phil Booth look awkward on some of his shots. And that, that was a, uh th that's something that I think we're going to talk about a little bit here on this podcast. Uh, maybe next week we're probably going to have uh, our buddy Chris Lane from VU Hoops in uh, just to talk about Villano- Villanova and what's gone wrong with them and how that how that uh, plays into the Big East. But do you have some thoughts on the way the Big East is sort of shaken out this year with Villanova not necessarily being on top and then the rest of the league being an amorphous blob of teams that beat each other up.
1: Yeah. I I mean, it's really fun right now, isn't it? Um, Because uh, I think right now we're, we're fourth in the league and um, any spot, any seed at at Madison square garden um, from three on down is still in play um, for I think everyone, but Villanova and Marquette, who kind of have those top two spots locked up. If not mathematically, then at least um, you would think that that they'll get the results to to um, get those spots. But yeah, it, it's really interesting and exciting coming down the stretch. Of course, Xavier and St. John's are both battling it out. Um, I think we're both toward the top of the pile right now, and so um, it's almost like one of us has got a has got a fall here um and so yeah it it's 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 been really exciting i was uh i enjoyed last year more uh believe it or not <laughs> oh, yeah um I liked that better, but this is fun too
0: yeah i mean it's uh last year had uh you know there's a level of of competing dominance between Xavier and Villanova that was you know impressive to see. Three strong seniors playing out, playing it out. Uh, you know, really competing for that title. Uh, so yeah, this is a little bit different, but it still has some uh, some level of intrigue too, because it's entirely possible that some team might just work their way into the NCAA tournament with a pretty questionable record. I mean, no offense, but you know, sixteen and thirteen at this point is like, uh, you know.
1: Yeah, it's not,
0: yeah,
1: not great. I think the the speculation that's been going around um, that kind of Xavier fans are wondering is 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 there a way to get an at large bid at this point? If we can win out the rest of the regular season, um, and, and then make the um, tournament championship at Madison Square Garden, and obviously if we win that, then we don't need to worry about an at large. But um, if if Xavier were to win those games and then lose in the championship, would that be enough to get them in? And with a weak bubble this year, um, I mean, there are still a lot of things up in the air as far as everywhere else, the conferences and bid thieves and all things, the things like that go. But um, it, it's certainly a possibility. It might not be a strong one, but it's um, on the table, which, which seems crazy uh, given you know, how, how poorly things had been going that, that they've been able to play themselves into a position where, um, it, you know, the season's still alive.
0: So. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, and I guess one more, how are you feeling about the team and their chances overall, which you've kind of touched on, but also how are you feeling about Travis Steele? First-year coach uh, coming, as, coming in as an assistant who's been there for a long time and been in the system, how are you feeling about him?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know the reality is first-year coaches. Um, it, it, it's tough for them. Um, they've never been in the, especially with Coach Steele. He'd never been the head man before, and there were just a lot of you know new decisions for him, and um, he wasn't always going to make the the right call. And you know sometimes um, that that was obvious early in the season. But he's really um, come leaps and bounds since then. I think even in the last four games, you you can see um, two of the best shooting teams in, in the league um, really had terrible times against us, uh, against Xavier um, in Creighton and in Villanova. Um, and then um, against Seton Hall, uh, had some schemes to really slow Miles Powell down and um, made sure the ball got out of his hands uh, when Seton Hall had a chance at, the, the game-winning shot, um, and they had to have someone other than Miles Powell take it. So things like that have really uh, shown he's come along. He's he's got, um, you know, a handle on it, and um, yeah, I have no doubt he's the guy going forward uh, to get Xavier uh, back to you know where where they were nationally uh, under Chris Mack. Uh, so yeah, I, I think um, it's been a learning experience, um, but I think he's he's come through it really well and um, really quickly uh, as well so uh, there's a lot of positivity as far as the team itself um, you know Hankins uh, Kyle Castlin, and Ryan Welledge are the only three seniors they're all grad transfers Um, so Xavier is bringing back everyone but those three Um, and Hankins is the the biggest contributor Welledge um, I think he's shooting about 36 percent from three in Big E's play of around 40 percent on the year so he's a sharpshooter but um has struggled on defense um and and so there's a lot of positivity uh, about this group and about um you know the possibilities for the rest of this season and then certainly looking forward to next season with uh top 20 recruiting class coming in and of course um gooden and, and jones being seniors and um just what the the possibilities are moving forward so
0: nice um Quick question though um, about Steele and his staff. Did any of the assistants um, stick around uh, after Chris Mack left, or did he get a new set of assistants?
1: So um, Jeremy Grow was was one of the only one of the only bench guys that that stuck around. I think. Some of the the strength staff did, um, but most of the assistants, uh, Coach Pagise and and Luke Murray, uh, left with with Chris Mack, which is why Bill Murray doesn't show up to Xavier games anymore. So sad. Uh, Yeah. Uh, But I don't know. I don't. If he was at the Yum Center the other night against Duke, maybe he was longing for the good old days of Xavier. Uh, But yeah he he's brought in he brought in jonas hayes from from georgia um who worked with with um i can't think of the guy's name the, the really exceptional big man georgia had last year uh, Yante matten yes um and, and then uh he brought in ben johnson from minnesota and dante jackson who uh was of course a, a beloved star at xavier uh back in the atlantic 10 days um under under sean miller and chris mack during that transition so um so it's three new assistant coaches alongside coach Steele, and that's been you know part of the, the adjustment journey pro- yeah definitely um been progress there it's definitely trending in the right direction i would say at this point
0: all right brian uh well tell the people also where they can find you um anything interesting that we should know or anything interesting you want people to read and uh yeah
1: yeah so we we release a um preview uh, on the day of every game um so y- you can certainly read that our, our website is bannersattheparkway.com um and, and we're also on twitter at, at bannersparkway um, yeah so yeah um definitely as uh, we uh get closer to the game um i, I think sometime wednesday morning we'll be releasing our our preview of the game where we'll talk about all of St. John's players. And sometimes the opponents fans drop into our mentions to tell us that we've greatly misjudged their team's talent level.
0: (laughs) All right, Brian, thank you very much for coming on. We appreciate your time again. Banners on the parkway. Uh, Brian Dobney is uh, is your go-to source for all things Xavier. And we will be right back in a couple of moments. Once again, you are listening to the Rumble in the Garden podcast. I am Norman Rose, your host for tonight's podcast. Uh, Thank you for listening to us. And if you liked what you you heard or you only kind of like it, leave us a nice rating, a five-star rating on iTunes or on Stitcher or on Google Play or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll appreciate it and it helps us get higher in the rankings, do better, and learn what you guys are enjoying and what you're not enjoying. So we had, as we said, a couple of listener questions to deliver. And the first one is from Del Griffith, our longtime reader. Del asks us, what does St. John's have to do to get a seven seed? Win four more? Because we most certainly don't want the eight, nine seed. Here's the bad news. That seven seed is a pipe dream. A lot of bad things have to happen to teams in front of St. John's on the seed lines. I'm thinking Iowa State, Buffalo, uh, I don't know, Wofford, Ohio State maybe if they're ahead, and St. John's is pretty well ensconced in the 8-9 seed. That's a problem, but I suppose if St. John's really you know, won all three of these games coming up and then got themselves to the Big East final or won the Big East outright uh, in the Garden, I suppose St. John's could get a seven seed. And even then, I don't know that that's a total lock. Um, Yeah, the eight, nine seed is probably where St. John's is going to be. Our second question is, well, we also had a question about uh, Mustafa Heron's injury and whether we have an update. We do not have an update, and the staff will probably not give us one until Wednesday at the media availability. The last question is, uh, what are your thoughts about having all Big East games at the Garden? The Big East games at the Garden concept is, um, it's it's sort of like a, another hearkening back to the 80s, and that's great But I don't know that the Garden plays like a true home arena for St. John's, at least not quite yet. It it might be a nice thing to do. It might be nice to get more people in the seats and have a bigger, uh, a higher level experience than what what one gets at Carneseca. But Carneseca does play like a calm, cozy arena. The students are on campus and it feels like, it doesn't feel like a a neutral site game like uh, the Villanova game felt like or... The Georgetown fit game felt like uh, this year for St. John's. And on in bad years or, you know, years where where St. John's has a decline, uh, those Garden games can get pretty, uh, they can feel like a road game. I'm thinking of some of the Duke St. John's games at the Garden. So I'm not, you know, a huge proponent of it, at least not until the team gets better. But I think it's a great idea. And I think they might already be good enough to make it kind of work and to get The uh, get players thinking, hey, this is a cool place to play. And with that, this is the Rumble in the Garden podcast. Thank you for listening. Send us your messages or your questions or your comments to rumbleinthegarden at gmail.com. Make sure to give us a nice like on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or uh, wherever else you listen to your podcasts, we are on all the places. We're on Spotify as well. Uh, we love your comments. Please leave your comments there. And send us comments on Twitter and let us know what we can answer for you or what things you really want to hear about, especially in the off season, It's been great having this podcast for you, and we'll talk to you soon.